Alrighty, everybody, welcome back. We have another episode of Monday Madness. It's me, Tavis Killian, giving you the last episode for the month of June. Today is June 29th. And fun fact, this is the second time I get to record this episode. Your boy didn't save the project and it went ahead and crashed. So I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it better this time. And who knows, maybe I'll save once or twice in the middle of the project just to be safe, you know, to <laughs> avoid that happening again. It's kind of the worst, huh? Working a real hard and losing all your work. Sometimes it seems like it doesn't line up, but I don't know. Things usually work out in the end. I think a podcast having to be re recorded is pretty insignificant and kind of slim when compared to, I don't know, say going to school for four years and then coronavirus and price wars and demands plummeting and you have a petroleum engineering degree. So, you know, I could, I could sit down, not record this, tell my boss I'm sick or I can get back into it. Come on, we got this. Let's move forward. Let's take a plan and look at me. I'm talking to you as if I'm your dad. I'm not your dad. I'm your news guy. And I've got exactly that for you. Now, if you've been following the Rare Petro podcast for the past month, month and a half or so, you would know that there have been some talks, both state and federal level, about giving money to laid off oil and gas workers to plug in abandoned wells. Now, actually, the Democrats are pushing this project pretty heavily, saying that it kind of benefits everyone. Democratic representative from California, Alan Lowenthal, says it's a win for the environment, it's a win for the states. It's a win for workers. Now, I like the sound of that, personally. But he kind of lost me when he went on to say, and it simply accelerates the cleanup that American taxpayers are on the hook to pay for sooner or later anyways. Okay, now, I, that seems kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, doesn't it? Probably a good way to push the argument. And it seems like most people are for it. Although the Democrats are taking this and running, the Republicans seem to be on board too, and even environmentalists are saying... This is a pretty good idea because there are a significant amount of orphan wells in the United States and they think someone should clean them up. Still, that does leave a handful of other environmentalists that pan the negotiations as sidelining reform in favor of addressing symptoms of a larger issue. But come on, we can't really please everyone, can we? It seems like we've got the majority on board and that's pretty good moving forward. Near the end of June, the House unveiled more than 2,000 pages of a bill called the Moving Forward Act that proposed an infrastructure-focused stimulus package that would give the Department of Interior and the Department of Agriculture 90 days to create a federal well-plugging program which would receive $2 billion over five years. Now, I can understand the argument from both perspectives. On one side, you got people worried about where you're going to get $2 billion worth of money and if that's even necessary for these wells. Right now, it sounds like there's near-unlimited money they're willing to throw at, well, all of the orphan wells, and I think, quite frankly, that is a waste of the funds and the time of the people that will be employed. I think it is important to prioritize wells over another. Maybe some are higher risk. Well, not maybe. I know some would be higher risk, depending on the geology under the ground, or even just their age. Maybe it's old, rusted-out equipment, and regulations have changed since it was constructed. They're already spending a lot of money on mapping and data, so I think that would be the best thing, way to go about it, prioritize and order what's the highest risk, what's the lowest risk, and then get those task forces out. But I, I think there's probably going to be more benefit than hurt from this. Now, a lot of people still opposed to this project, especially those within the industry, 
are kind of worried about where that $2 billion will come from. On one hand, this is great stimulus money. It can benefit a lot of laid-off employees. On the other hand, what's going to happen? Is it going to be like Ohio tried, where they made most of that money just a severance tax? Or is it going to be taxpayer-based? Because I guarantee you the people will not be happy with that. I mean, either way, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a whole lot of people win in this situation, especially with the last option being what? Just hyperinflation as we dump more and more money in, handing out stimulus checks left and right. But I think that is an issue I am not able to speak on. <laughs> it's bigger than Orphan Wells. It's a little bit bigger than me. So I say we move on to the next piece of news. BP, man, they are struggling. It's always good. A good way to judge how badly someone's struggling is to see how many of their employees are getting laid off. And at the start of June, they cut nearly 10,000 jobs, which is around 14% of the workforce. Now, they're definitely hurting for some liquid cash at this point. So their solution? Exit the petrochemical business. For $5 billion, BP sold their petrochemical business to a UK company named Ineos. This provides BP with some much-needed cash injection, and moves it a step forward in the global transition towards cleaner energy. Now, what does that mean? Cleaner energy? What, they're just not refining petrochemicals? Well, CEO Bernard Looney says, this is another significant step as we steadily work to reinvent BP. Although that's really all the information we have. We don't have anything yet, but he did say that they do plan to reveal the blueprint for styling themselves into a greener company this September. So good on BP for selling an arm and a leg for a decent amount of money, but ExxonMobil not faring nearly as well. Just real quick, I'd like to mention that the largest oil company in the United States is preparing to let go between 5 and 10% of its U.S.-based employees after everyone is reviewed. Now, this can definitely be scary if you're the guy who shows up and thinks he's worth $100,000 just to sit around the office and do a little bit of work. So, trimming the fat. Yeah, can't really blame Exxon for doing that. This will save them some money. But still, it's, it's scary. Taking a page from BP's book, it's probably going to sell some of its UK North Sea assets because it can not really expect to make much money to that thanks to COVID-19, tensions being pretty high internationally, decreased demand. Price wars. Can't forget the price wars. It's just a bad, bad deal. So these companies are struggling, but it looks like they are staying afloat, unfortunately, at the cost of some of their very own workforce. Next, I'd like to bring it right back here to Colorado, where Governor Polis has appointed a new five-member professional commission. Now, since I do plan to, at some point in my life, work within Colorado, I'm going to keep a pretty low profile, not use any names, because who knows when I'll run into these people. They may not like what I have to say. Besides, I'm, I'm just a kid running a podcast right now. But I will go into the background of each of the five new members. Member number one has experience in biodiversity, conservation, and environmental and wildlife management policies. You know, that's, that's definitely a useful thing to have on the team, but no oil and gas experience there. Member number two has experience in public health, health equity, air, and water policy. Okay, again, important, but this is specifically a professional oil and gas commission. Hmm, let's keep moving on. Member number three has experience in public policy related to outdoor recreation, land use, and local government. Okay, uh, we're nearing the end of the team here. We better see somebody, somebody who has some oil and gas experience. Member number four, a land manager with Occidental. 
okay, that, that's, that's pretty damn close. We'll give it to him. That's the most probably direct oil and gas experience we've seen from any of these people based on their past experiences alone, as it seems most people are involved pretty heavily with law. And lastly, member number five. Previously a director of the COGCC, fantastic, and has previously worked as an attorney, partner, and shareholder. Now for a five-member professional oil commission, I agree that everyone has their place on this team, but it, it is a little bit shocking to see how little technical experts there are exactly. There's definitely plenty of people who deal with land usage and rights and health, and that's great, but it seems like this is more of a permitting sort of organization and regulatory that will not advance the development of oil and gas within the state, but rather seems like it probably appeases to people who may or may not live in Boulder. But that's all I have to say. Just an article that was sent to me by a coworker, and we both thought it was kind of funny. But now I'd like to take it to the last article we have. Well, it's about Canada again. We've been talking about Canada a lot lately, but this is about, well, espionage. Now, when I say that, that might have queued up images of James Bond, fast cars, guns, billionaire villains. But maybe billionaire villains is about the only thing that's true about that situation. Now, most of the espionage happens behind a computer, which is precisely what the Canadian Energy Center is trying to investigate. Now, the Canadian Energy Center is a new organization that was built to improve the public image of the province's top revenue generator, oil. I like the mission statement of this because it would be pretty easy for environmentalists to twist into a government-backed propaganda agency, but their mission statement says, quote, a fact-based approach to counteracting the misinformation about our industry. Now, I think that's great. I think education is about the best way to go about it, and they started an investigation pretty soon after founding the Canadian Energy Center organization. Now, this investigation was looking into whether foreign groups are funding anti-oil protests in Canada. It was initially supposed to have finished the investigation by July 2nd, but they are now asking for more time. Many media outlets have misrepresented the Alberta oil sands industry in the past, including National Geographic, which ended up editing a story twice that had several facts about the oil and gas industry in Alberta wrong, which is pretty pitiful. National Geographic should fact check this. And I gotta say, I'm only about halfway surprised they didn't catch it. On one hand, yeah, it could have been a simple mistake and gotten through. But on the other hand, well, it's an article that probably would have gotten a lot of traction and lots of money towards their reporting agency. I would wager that most people within National Geographic are probably, probably biased against the oil and gas industry. And I'm not saying that's the reason it got through, but it's kind of worrisome for sure. And that's why the California Energy Center is great in using a fact-based approach to counteract the misinformation about our industry. Ah, I love that snippet. I'm a little curious to see what they find, who's funding these anti-oil protest groups, if anyone's funding them at all. But it sounds like if they're asking for more time, they're making some headway. I would be really surprised, well, okay, maybe not really surprised, it would be very spicy if they found out that China was behind it, as uh, China's been gaining a larger foothold in the oil and gas energy sector especially as of late, especially thanks to coronavirus at this point. They, they are kind of going unchecked with some of the stuff that they're doing, especially with the tensions they had between India with the bloodbath earlier this month. Of course, this is all just speculation, just food for thought. But, and along with that speculation, I hope I've given you as many facts as you needed because I think that's your fix for the week. That's going to be the end of Monday Madness. 
there's something we're missing or something not doing that you want to see, go ahead and leave us a review. Go to rarepetro.com. Plenty of ways to contact us because, again, we do this for you. We want to make the content that you want to consume. So until I see you next time, everybody, take care. Mm-hmm.